Are you looking for a great sci-fi read? If so, be sure and grab The Return by best-selling author Gabriella Balcom. Readers are calling it a thrilling ride that's fascinating and amazing. The world doesn't know about the compound hidden underground, and the wealthy investors funding it want things to stay as they are. It's 2030, and scientists have made numerous scientific advances. They use cutting-edge technology with their feline service units and human replicas, HRs as they're commonly known. However, most of the research being conducted in the facility is illegal. If animal rights activists had an inkling of what went on, they'd be clamoring for justice. Human rights activists would scream from the rooftops. More and more of the HRs are dying and they long for freedom. One of the top scientists isn't happy with the situation either. Tensions are mounting, and things are not as they appear. Other reader comments about The Return include, This is a thrilling ride. I hope there's a sequel. Man, it got me hooked. Best plot twist I've read in a book. You'll love this book. It had me on the edge of my seat. For more of Gabriella's works, check her out on Amazon.com in both paperback and Kindle form. Vampire. Werewolf. Djinn. Phoenix. Shapeshifter. And Witch. They all came from somewhere. Six humans started the ritual. Six supernaturals walked away. But they left behind the one person who could destroy them all. Reese. Now she seeks vengeance on those who stole their power from her body. She seeks her children. For they will pay the ultimate penance. Available at MythMart.com, Amazon, Goodreads, and Barnes and & Noble. And now, enjoy this free JZO Modcast show. Hey there, this is Ralph Garman, and you are listening to the World of Mythbits. You made an excellent choice. G'day from SA. This is Tim here with episode 233 of the World of Mythbits. That gets me every time. I love the way that that just rolls off the tongue. Uh, I like to think it's my own, own little trademark. Um, I did promise everybody that episode 233 was going to be a special episode. We'd have a special guest. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, Miss Looper, our um, social media expert, uh, TikToker extraordinaire, is uh, away with family. Uh and uh, unable to join us this time, but I've got somebody just as great, just as awesome. I have with me today our CEO extraordinaire, Mr. David K. Montoya. How are you, sir? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Um, I want to know, quick question, the K in David K. Montoya. Is that mm -hmm. like Homer, Homer J. Simpson, that it stands for J? Or... Uh, 
is uh, the cape <laughs> or something completely different. You can make up what you like too. I wouldn't know. No, it, it's cool. Uh, K is for Kevin. Kevin, cool. Kevin's a good strong name, definitely. Well, the there's a fun little story behind that, and, and you'll find out talking to me. I have I have a story for everything at this point in my life. Um, because here in not only in the United States, but here in California, which was originally a part of Mexico, um, you know, oh, yeah. we have we have the Latino community, and there was or there is still to this day, there there's lots of David Montoya's or uh, again, if you want to pronounce it in the Latino, it's uh, David Montoya. So I wanted to, as a, as a teenager, I wanted to separate myself away from all the other David Montoya's out there, you know, and I started using David K Montoya to, to signify that that's who I am. Um, in fact, if you go and you type in David K. Montoya on the internet, that's who you get. You get me because I've yeah, kind of cool. branded that part of my name. It's 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 made you that little bit more uh, unique, I suppose. Exactly. With so many, so many uh, David Montoyas. Or uh, what? How how do we kick this off then? Instead of uh, G'day from SA, let's say um, Hola. <laughs> hola, como esta? <laughs> I remember Italian. I learned Italian in high school. So it was like, uh, come stai was bene. Bene was good or, or well. So uh, in the Latina? Um, let's see. Muy, muy, muy bien. Muy bien. Muy bien, gracias. Which is thank you. We we could we could attempt to uh, to do the whole thing in Spanish, but I don't. <laughs> no, no. Why why Spanish is terrible? <clears throat> yeah, no. Unfortunately, my Spanish is very limited. Um... It's uh, it's a lot better <laughs> than mine, though, Senor. <laughs> yeah, I, I've got the Telemundo down pretty good, though. I, I... yeah, no. is that from like the Mexican wrestling? <laughs> Telemundo, that's uh, Teleworld. It's a, a Mexican TV station. Oh, very cool, very cool. So, so when when is this going out to uh, to Mexican radio? We're, we've uh, we've cornered the American market now. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny because we focus on you know, the, the West coast market or the Western world market, um, which gives us an, a span. But here's the thing that most people don't know is that our actual carrier that we use, yeah. because I, I, I'm all about global. And I think you figured that out is, oh, absolutely. is um, our host, the people that carry our podcast digitally are out of Germany. Oh really? Mm -hmm. Well, there you go. Uh, well, guten Tag. <laughs> Get my son down here. He he knows how to speak German. He's got he's got German down pat. Yeah, my my kids are learning German at uh, at high school as well. He sounds like he's angry. I'm like, you angry? He's like, no, that's just the way they talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all good. Yeah, it's like the Japanese. It's like what do they say with the the Chinese when the Chinese speak? Um, it's like 
waving a fan. Yeah. And when the Japanese speak, it's like lifting a house. I I started learning a long time ago Japanese, but uh, unfortunately, I never followed through. To to do it to do it right to to get the accent right. The, I was actually over in Germany once, got lost in a forest, and the uh, two lovely German men that helped me find my way back to where I needed to go said that my German was the best without an accent that they'd ever heard. Really? Yeah. Yeah. When when you need to know the language, Dave, you it comes to you pretty pretty quickly. <laughs> many 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 a story. Um, so great from the horse's mouth. Is there any housekeeping? There is no housekeeping. Um, with no, staff no housekeeping this time. With staff being on the road and and me like you know I've been going to the dentist all this week, so a lot yeah. hasn't got done i admit it (laughs) life life has got in the way yeah i think life is very important but uh other than that you know go buy steph's book penance son myth mark that's basically it pretty important that's out now isn't it it is that's pretty cool well well done steph uh stephanie j Barty, aka looper a big shout out hi hope you're having fun and a wonderful time Hanging out with the the nieces and your sister and um, yeah, oh. hopefully hopefully having fun. Oh, I, I can imagine that. On the new book. Her uh, her nieces and nephews is probably like they're crawling all over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, so they're young kids, are they? Uh one five, I believe, something like that. Yeah. They're they're very young. Yes, good good age, definitely. Yeah, no, uh, I have a niece. Uh, Youngest niece just turned five, cute as a button, um, fiery red hair, temper to match, uh, and an imagination <laughs> that's just off the charts. You don't mess with those redheads, I tell you. Oh heck no, heck no, no. When she wants you down on the floor playing Barbies, you you know what you got to do for sure. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's good times, good times. Um. So I have to say, uh, on my plate, I I haven't been doing a lot of writing as of late, but we've been in the thick of our school holiday program uh, at the library where I work. And um, just this last week, I ran four sessions of an escape room. Uh, oh, escape wow. from space. That's good fun. So, yeah, the... Um, uh, the the library meeting rooms have sliding doors and walls that sort of collapse and that sort of thing. So yeah, I, I have a lot of lot of fun planning and then running these different escape rooms. I've been doing them for um, so we have four lots of school holidays each year, and I've been doing them for probably the last year and a bit. So probably coming up to five five six escape rooms that I've run so far. The school that my girls go to right now, um, they started doing that, and they they love them. Yeah, so my my hats off to you because I know how much you know planning before you before the even the execution of it. I know how much planning goes into it. So, oh, ab- absolutely, I've got to come up with an idea for October now. Our next our next school holidays are October, and I'm pretty sure that there's an expectation that we'll have amongst everything else that we're running. Yeah. Um. A uh, a Tim the Librarian run escape room 
as Very well. Cool. Oh, and I've also um, put my foot in it. We've got uh, October here in Australia is uh, Safe Work Month. I've been asked to run, because I work for a local council, mm. I've been asked to run an escape room based on safe work practices for our general managers and our CEO. Oh, to wow. Through, to be recorded for presentation as part of Safe Work Month. So uh, the pressure's on. That's clever. Yeah, I don't know how clever. <laughs> but no, we'll we'll make it work, and yeah, it should be good fun. Um, and maybe I can be be clever and use the um those ideas as like a springboard for the activities that I run for the kids. But probably not so. Like there's there's nothing that safe safety is important. But it's hard to make safety fun. Yeah. So that's going to be a challenge. So I got got a feeling it's going to be um, two escape rooms in October, and two very different escape rooms in October. I uh, I did run a haunted house one uh, October last year, and one of the qu- the questions or one of the clues. Um, they had to run. Uh, they had to run around the room and find a book that told them how many bones. We're in a complete, like an adult human body. And my daughter comes in and the, the thing goes, how many bones in an adult human body is the clue to unlock the briefcase? And she goes, that's 206. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> pretend you didn't know that and you had to find it in a book. <laughs> Kids are way too clever. They are. Way too clever. Yeah, definitely. Um, so... T-shirts. Let's look. Let's look at Mythmart. All right. And some of the products. Well, you've got like um, you've, you've one of the things that you're very excited about is uh, American Smash Episode One, Issue One. That's, yes. That's had a, a remake. A. Uh, no, no, it's not a remake. It's a um. You so what have you done? You've brought the the current comic team on board to to redo it um well what happened was is russo and i uh alan russo he's my best friend we've been friends yeah. since 2000 so almost 24 years um yeah, we wow. wrote a story called smash um back in 2000 and i yep. illustrated it and it really didn't go anywhere so Later down the road, I, I re-illustrated it, and that's probably the one you see at MythMart. Um, yes. I changed up my art style to make it kind of a cartoony, kit-style-looking art. Um, it's just a one-shot, and one-shots are kind of like a pilot in a TV show. You just put oh, yeah. one out there, and if they grab, then you put start putting out more. And that's kind of what happened with American Smash, is that we put out the the one shot and it was available during uh scarefare in 2021 and it started selling really well so excellent well congratulations thank you so it was my decision the the board of directors back then they didn't really care 
So I, I kind of just took over and, and uh, hired uh, a good friend of mine, um, Idris Youssef. I've known him for years as well. He he uh, he was the comic book artist for um, Majestic. And yeah. um, I brought him on board to start drawing because we had written issue one. Russo and I wrote issue one, issue six, and um, okay. they were already finished. And I was like, okay, let's just go ahead and and bring in uh, an artist. And he was just knocking him out of the park. And then by the time he finished with issue six, um, I wanted to write. I, I just, I fell in love with the characters again. So I, I went ahead and, and wrote issue seven through 12 by myself. Yep. Um, right. And then in that process, I kind of realized that we needed to hire staff. So uh, I brought in uh, GD Patrick, who is the, uh, the inker and God's time, Augustine Ishmael, uh, who is an amazing colorist. And of course, Steph is the uh, content editor, you know, dialogue editor. And then yeah. um, the editor in chief, who ended up being the editor in chief of this round of um, publication, his name is Harry uh, Henry Henrich. Um, he is the owner of a local comic book shop up here uh, where I live oh, cool. in California. So he, he's been very detrimental in the marketing scheme. He's, we pretty much agreed, you know, he's like, you go do your thing on when you need to get marketing, just come to me. I'll, I'll tell you. And it's worked out pretty well. Um, I, like I said in the beginning, we've spent a lot of money um, because when it comes to artists, artists aren't, um, you know, the kind of like, uh, I'll pay you after the books get paid. That is not their, their brand that it's not how it works. You, you kind of, you know, you pay. It's all promised. It's all up front. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, here's a page. You owe me money kind of thing. So um, I've I've spent a lot of money. Um, the board of directors have fought me on it a couple times. They they wanted to pull the plug because of how much money yeah. um, we've spent. But I've uh, I've yet had to pull the I'm the owner, you know, card. So you, you, you have final say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, I kind of just re- let them, you know, kind of see my vision, my passion. And I really hope that the the people that we are in contact with uh, nationwide as far as distributors, or not distributors, but the, the comic book stores, because that's one other thing that I'm very excited about is that as the Jizzlemont Darkmouth company as a whole, we will be cutting out the middleman and we will be doing our own distribution. And a lot of people yeah. are like, that's impossible. Right. You can't do your own distribution. I'm like, okay, hold my beer. Let's go do this. And yeah. uh, that's just watching. Yeah. That's, and that's where we're at right now. Yeah. No, that's very cool. It's good, good, good place to be. And I think the, the pandemic that we've all gone through, um, across the whole entire world has identified for a lot of people the potential for doing things a different way in a better way. I agree. Um, I worked when the pandemic first hit, I, I felt unnecessarily uh, a, a call. Um, I, I spent 20 years in the medical field. I'm a cardiac technician and yep. um, I went back to work 
during the, the pandemic just because there was people that they needed help. And, um, you know, yeah. with my, with my skill set, I, I came in and helped them. Yep. Um, unfortunately in the process of doing so, I've kind of made my health a little, uh, a little yes. shaky. So, um, what was it? May, the end of May, um, I actually retired from that again and yep. am working full-time on the, 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 the business. But, um, I, I digress because I, I understand the pandemic. The pandemic did something very, cerebral to the population at large i mean i'm talking the entire world um everybody i think thinks different now from from 2019 to 2023 even though you may seem be the same individual your your thought process your syntax of information it's changed because of the pandemic. Yeah. Well, I, I had somebody um, from our, like one of our community groups that use the library, local library where I work, come come up to me and say, oh, can we bring food in now? Like, is that okay to do? And I'm like, sure. Like, that's been okay for a little while now. But for a good long while, it was no food. Yeah. No. It's And then it was, okay, if you have uh, something packaged, and individually wrapped something you can bring in now uh or if you're using tongs or if you're like the the whole game changed but the the for, for some reason the memo is not getting out to everybody and it's hard to keep track of where we're at where we're up to what is now okay to do yeah um at this point and again this is just uh I think on a scientific stance, I, I think that it is going to be, and I don't know if you've noticed this, but with each variant, the severity gets less. And that's kind of like how the Spanish flu worked in the 1900s. It's, you know, it hit hard and yes. then it came out with the different variants. And then now it's just kind of like it's the Spanish flu is almost unheard of. But and I think that's where, yeah. unfortunately, that'll be like a hundred years for us, and we'll be gone. But you know, I I, I think in a hundred years, uh, the the SARS two COVID nineteen, uh, will be a story. I don't think it will be something, um, well that will still be active. I think it'll be very much like, uh, the Spanish flu. You know, because I I history repeats itself, and that's yeah. even with viruses. That's yeah. just, yeah, exactly. Or, or even it might, like, I, I can foresee um, we've got, uh, like, the common cold is, a, is a, a variant of COVID. Yeah. So it'll, like, I, I, I get the feeling that COVID-19 is going to be, a, oh, I've got COVID-19, I'll just get some COVID tablets from the chemist, wait, wait it out a, a day or two, and uh, a few sneezes, a few coughs, and then back to normal again i was laughing because um you know i i like i said i've been in the medical field for so long and you know there was the bird flu the swine flu the ebola and uh i was like never got it never got it and i i I admit 
openly that I was a little cocky coming back into work. Yeah. I'm like, you know, I know how to wash my hands. I know how to, you know, be protective. I never caught any uh, of these things. <laughs> and uh, it was July. Steph was here and the entire house got COVID. And yeah. I, we were just, it was horrible. No I'm like, fun at I, all. <laughs> I don't know how, you know, I always, I wash my hands. I take off my shoes, I took off my scrubs. Yep. As soon as I came in, I was careful. Nope. Yep. Still, still got it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. No, it was, was very easy. Uh, and it knocked you for six. So that's, that's a, uh, uh, sorry, cricket reference, knocked you for six. The, the baseball reference would be knocked you out of the park. Gotcha. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Gotcha. Because in, yeah. in in cricket, in cricket, when you when you uh, when you hit a six, it's on the full over the fence. Gotcha. So the yeah, the baseball reference would be out of the park. It it did that. It it. <laughs> yeah, knocked yeah. me out. Yeah. And it did that to many people. But then at the same time, there were others that got it and um, didn't even realize. Yeah, yeah. It was That was the, the crazy nature of it. You just didn't know. My mom actually was one of those people. Yeah, um, one of the lucky ones. Yeah, she didn't even know. She's like, she went to go do something and they swabbed her and they're like, you're, you're COVID positive. And she's like, no, I got to go do this, you know. And yeah. uh, they're like, no, you have COVID. You, have you need to go... To go- She's like, no, I'm fine. Yeah, yeah. You may feel fine, but the the rest of the community says, go home. Yep. So, um, open contract challenge, Dave. You've been a big me, and you've kept us all in the dark. (laughs) We have revealed first place and second place, and the fight is on. And congratulations to those two uh, very, very worthy potential winners. Yes. But who got third? Who got third? <sighs> okay, so here's the problem. I can't. This is why I'm, I'm having a. I can't technically announce that uh, you know third place has been achieved because we've learned in the past that just for the sake of something happening say one of the contestants drop out or they you know so that means that once the the contestant drops out that makes the other contestant the winner and then the person that would have been third place becomes second place um yeah okay all right yeah but i'm going to i'm actually Make it through to the end before we can actually reveal first, second, and third. Well, I I can actually bleep this. So uh, let's see. We've got semifinals twenty twenty three. I'm I'm actually opening up something here. So right now on points, we've got Adele Evershed, who's got twenty points. James yep. Rumpel has 19 points. Yep. And Christine Christina Still has 18 points. Okay. Yeah, wow. So, I, I, it was I, it was a group of 
five at that stage. Yeah, and the other two did not make enough points to move on. So uh, those yep. are your three top uh, points earners. And that's kind of uh, how it other- works. A lot of people don't realize that. And the open contract challenge is that when you're a judge, you base on a one to five points. And that's how you, yep. you get to the finals is if you have the highest points, then you get to the finals and whoever won the previous year, they read your manuscript and they make the decision because who's better yeah. to make that decision than the winner themselves. They know what it requires to, to, to be a winner. So. Yeah. Because they've already won. Yep. Yeah. Yep. No, that's cool. Um, I'm curious though, the previous winner. So the original winner, can they go in for future open contract challenge? No. Um, well, no. you know, so I'm, at, you've won, you've I'm, won. I'm thinking, I don't know, maybe, maybe one in 10 years, you know, or well in five more years, because this was our fifth year. Maybe once we have 10 yes, winners, sure. maybe we can bring all 10 winners back and make them do like the grand winner, you know? So, so I've got five years to get in. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes. Five, five years to win. I want to win this competition. I think we all want to win this competition. And um, the thing that makes it difficult behind the scenes is that we we do it anonymously. Like you don't know who the judges are. Uh, the judges don't know who the contestants are um, because they'll get a, a whatever it is, you know, neither it be the the pitch or the chapter or the the synopsis. And all it says yep. is entry A, entry B, entry C. And so when you yep. go to vote. Yep. There's, no, there's nothing identified. It's all yeah. blind. And so that's the best way to do it. When you go in the vote, that's all your vote. Okay. This is entry A. I think it deserves five points. And that's, that's it. So yep. then. Um, yep. That's where like Walter and I really have to sit down and figure, okay, we'll see. Entry A was this story who was written by, you know, that. Okay, they get that that point. Yeah. So it's it's um Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we try to make it as non biased as possible. Basically I are you are you advising to somebody like myself then, Dave? Don't submit something that you've already submitted chapters for to um, Dark Myth for, for the the World of Myth bits. Uh, sorry, the the World of Myth magazine or that sort of thing. No, not at all. Because sorry, the the, the um the judges change every year, so the judges from this year will be different from next yeah, year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. Yep. So that's but it's, isn't it possible though that that one of the judges or, or more of the judges have already read something and can identify who the potential author is, unless that, it's something completely fresh. That is a chance, yes, yes, yeah. But you, but you're saying don't let that stop you submitting that sort of thing, regardless. Regard. Well, you know what? If I if I had a story, 
And I just, this is the story that this is the one that I'm going to publish. I want this to be the one that I publish. Uh, this is the one yep. that I want to be the winner. I'll keep publishing. I'll keep pushing and pushing the same story until it wins. I mean, that's just me, but you know, we all know as writers, this is the story. This is, you know, this is part of our legacy as writers and yep. it needs to be published. This needs to be the award-winning book. So just keep pushing, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Have have faith in your work. And like you say, it's different judges each time. So um, it might have a different fate. Absolutely. But I'm I'm, I'm uh, crossing my fingers and hoping that, um, like the the thing that I submitted for this year, uh, is my um my uh, B ball, uh, my fantasy and um, Cthulhu style crossover story, which Steph thought was great for kids. And I'm like, hmm, interesting call. And that that's sort that's changed the way that I thought that I would write it. Okay, uh, but it's it's something that I'm really enjoying writing. Something that I'm um, hoping to wrap up soon. But I'm hoping that it's something that Dark Myth Publishing might be interested in publishing anyway, Re regardless of uh, well, the fact that it didn't win the open contract. It went round, went through from round one to round two, but it didn't make it beyond round two. But it might still be something that you guys are are interested in publishing. Absolutely, and in which case, and, if it gets and that has happened if it before. Gets published next year, yeah. And if, yeah, and if it gets published next year, then of course I won't be putting it into the um, twenty twenty four open contract challenge because it's already being published. Yeah, um, I've, I've seen that happen a couple there's times. A, a wealth of stories. Yeah, but there's there's a wealth of stories sitting up here in uh, in this brain of mine. Um, plenty of opportunities for uh, for submissions for next year and the year after and the year after and the the next five years and yeah with with any luck um i'll be amongst uh, a whole bunch of friends uh vying it out for um the the open contract challenge of open contract challenges is that yeah yeah i mean okay so uh we've got what the 24 25 26 27 28 so 2029 will be the the grand grand champion. Yeah, yeah, and I I can I cannot wait because the the prizes for um the open contract challenge at the moment are pretty good. So I cannot wait to see what uh, what uh, Dark Myth Publishing and uh, and Jayzo Mon the company comes up with for the grand open contract challenge. Uh, uh you you and me both. <laughs> yeah. But where do we go? We got five years to plan. Um, well, hopefully in five years we'll be uh, knock on some wood here. We'll be doing the cons again, and uh, we'll 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 make it good because I I again, my thing is is I enjoy helping people. I enjoy making things happen, and um, oh for sure. If if we can, you know, get some cons going and flying the people back out to the cons that were throwing and selling their books um that would be great 
but of course we we're still going to be continuing the the hardbacks and all that good stuff as well of course of course the 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 company will always be moving forward and hopefully people will support the company um you guys will make a, a nice little nest egg there and then yeah hopefully in in the future uh we can look at at potentially like even if it's somebody from overseas needs to jet themselves into America and then we can sort of go from there anything's possible Dave. anything's possible uh, I I I believe that I um yeah when in 2019 before COVID you know I I okay let me back up a little bit further I um I went and seen uh one of my personal favorite writers at a convention and my son is autistic I'm, I'm giving you the origin story of PCE, by the way. So, okay, cool. We uh, I'm settling back, grabbing the popcorn. Good to go. We, uh, we drove down to Ontario, California, and uh, my son went with me. And we stood in line, it rained on us. He got to meet the cosplayers, he was all excited. And then, uh, when we got inside, it was just too much for him, and he had a complete meltdown. And I, I, I yeah. felt bad because I had to go and, and take him back home and then drive back to Ontario. Um, and then one of the things that, interesting enough, when I left the convention that weekend, the the big thing that stuck in my head was, I can do that. I can throw that, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, then I get back up here where I live here in the high desert, and uh, everybody was telling me you cannot hold a convention in the high desert. It's impossible. Um, again, hold my beer. Um, yeah. Yep. Just watch me. Yeah. And I like that about you. It's the, the idea that the seed gets planted and then you find a way. Yes. And um, so originally it was supposed to be really small and intimate for my son and his friends who are also autistic yeah. and that was the idea it was supposed to be small it was not supposed to be this grand scale you know convention and yeah. uh i was able to get a hold of sam uh sam wasman quasman uh k-w-a-s-m-a-n yeah he is the voice of donald duck and um or he oh, was yeah. he was the voice in the 80s and 90s and he's like yeah i'm in and that kind of legitimized it, right? And then we yeah. got, you know, people, we got Marilyn Gigliotti from Kevin Smith's Clerks, and we got people from Nightmare on Elm Street. We got yeah. uh, the kid from The Christmas Story, the one that stuck his tongue on the pole. Um, nice. And it, it grew into, we actually had to go in and get a big convention. But yeah. one of the things that all this was happening in the background was I was trying to find, you know, advertisers and, and vendors and people like, you're not going to do this. Yeah. yeah. You, you can't do this. You can't do this. You can't do this. And yeah. then, you know, February 8th, 2020 rolled around and we did it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, yeah. and that's kind of like the thing that I'm facing now because there was, um, were you around with Scarefair? Did you know much about what was going on with Scarefair or anything like that? Um, I heard that there was something 
happening. Um, and uh, I saw a few adverts for it, but I'm the other side of the world, Dave. So it's it's really really hard. It's one of those things where you wish you could be there, right? But uh, life just gets in the way. Um, we we roll into 2021. The business is doing really well. I played my cards smart in 2020, um, and I hired a guy to put on PCE2, and I uh, wanted it to be Halloween-themed, and so it became Scarefare. Yes. Um, okay. Yep. He he did some, uh, some things uh, behind the table and behind the board. He lied to the board of directors. Um, and yeah. if anybody wants to come at me, uh, I have I, audio I did, and yeah. video of that. Um, I, so, I follow this through the um, the board of directors uh, um, on the world of myth. myth. Yeah, there was reading between the lines. You could see, yeah, you could see stuff that, uh, yeah, you, yeah, it was like one one man not doing the right thing, uh, and everybody finding out. And unfortunately, then the plug had to be pulled. No, we didn't. We didn't. We still went ahead and had oh, the event. Yes, okay. uh, we we went ahead with the event. Uh, we don't know to this day. We don't know how much he actually stole. But in the end, we lost forty thousand U.S. dollars yeah, on that ouch. event. But and, it wasn't. It wasn't the event itself. It was uh, probably a lot of it had to do with. Um, the sneaky dirty yeah because we had you know some big names it was really crowded the flow was go going and yep. um honestly if 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 things would have been on the up and up we probably would have made about forty thousand dollars but yeah. uh yep there was a lot of mismanagement of money and, and overspending on things and Oh, I could go on. Anyway, um, I digress. <laughs> like I said, everything I say, yep. I always have a story to that story. Um, oh, for sure. So it left a, a bad taste. And not only the board of directors or anybody that is a, attached to us, because we lost a lot of people over that. And um, yep. the the community, the high desert community, you know, they, they kind of like, eh, you know. Because we tried to push for PCE3, and um, at that time, I was really dealing with some major health issues with my heart, and I just couldn't take the stress, and people were just not interested, and I just, I we pulled the plug. I was like, go ahead, we'll plug, yeah. go ahead. So yes. now we're back at the, the, the phase one of people saying, you can't do this. It's impossible. Yeah. You're not going to do this. But you've already proven you can yeah, so the game plan is to just kind of wait, let the let everything settle, let the you know is let the smoke settle, um, and then we're going to do it again. And it may not yeah. be PCE; it may be called something else. But you know, we're still planning on doing it again. It's it all comes down to marketing, Dave. If you can if you can give it a a new catchy name. You can bring people back on board, and yeah, it's going to be unreal. But is it going to be like small, small scale uh, for your son and his 
mates? Is that going to be the the beginning focus again? Um, well, we we came up with something, and Henry, the editor in chief of the comics, he actually came up with the title for it. Um, yeah. But but the idea was is that instead of having VIP, we had what was called a SST, sensory sensitive ticket. So instead yeah, of the cool. instead of the VIPs coming in first, it was people with handicaps and disabilities. They got to come yep. in an hour before anybody else because it's nice and quiet and they get to yeah. meet the people. They get to do some shopping. There's no extra charge. It's a regular cost yep. for a ticket. And that's what we'll continue to do. And yeah, then we, no, we always donate those the sales to those tickets, the SST tickets, also is uh donated one hundred percent donated to autism uh awareness. Yeah. So we have our own, we have our charities that we give to, um, obviously my son's autistic. So I'm very, uh, pro autism charity and yes. that's what we do is, um, whatever we make off of the SST, we literally donate that money to, um, the autism speaks foundation. That's that, that's yeah. our foundation that we prefer. No, that's very cool. That's, uh, it's once again, uh, a testament to the the sort of person you are giving back uh, uh, to something that you're passionate in, uh, helping, supporting. It's, I think it's great, Dave. Definitely. No, I was, I, I'm excited about the future, about the um, where the, the company's heading. Uh, and as CEO, where you're, you're sort of guiding us. I'm just a dreamer. <laughs> yeah. I can't stop dreaming. Yeah. You and me both. Definitely. That's what makes us great writers. Oh, absolutely. Um, I love to write. I wish I had more time to write. Uh, I think that's why it took me so long to write the, through the eyes of madness is because, you know, of, of everything I do on the outside of business, um, there's very little time for me to write. But that is, in a nutshell, that is what I am. I'm not really yeah. a businessman. I pretend to be a businessman. I'm a writer. Yeah. I, I pretend that I'm able to manage people. But. Yeah, and that's a long time ago. Again, here we go, another story for the story. Um, yeah, yeah. A long time ago, it was back in 2011, 2012, um, the world of myth. We had this one guy, his name was Justin. He was doing interviews. And I was just giving him crap because I was just, you know, it's just, I was, I'm quirky, I'm funny. And, yes. um, then he he said something, and I said something about my writing, and he's like, "You're a writer, yeah." And I'm like, Surprised. "Is my is is my persona as the the CEO outweigh my my writing?" Because that's never what it was never supposed to be. I've I've always wanted to be looked at as a writer, then an entrepreneur. Yeah. Because that's what I am. I'm a, I'm a writer. Because, I mean, if all this falls apart, I'm still going to write stories regardless. Absolutely. Yep. And um, moving forward, uh, when I was talking, when Steph and I, um, and this is before we even got into a relationship. We were just friends yep. and we were forming a business. Um, I was like, don't let me become that CEO persona. Um, I'll, I can be the CEO persona, but... Always make sure that 
writer is first. I'm always a writer first, entrepreneur second. So yes. that is that's always been my goal. Yeah, yeah, and it, it seems to be happening. I mean, it's it's difficult to juggle, especially now. I mean, I mean, if we knew back when we were kids, uh, if we had all these opportunities, well, it'd be incredible, absolutely incredible. But the the eighties and the nineties um, was like the the heyday for for fantasy fiction. But yeah. you had to publish with the big name publishers. Now, now's an exciting time. There's uh, Dark Myth Publishing. There's so many um, online platforms uh, and indie publishing companies that you can go with. the The world literally is a writer's oyster with the the opportunities. Uh, like you say, if like touch wood, things go well. Uh, consistently for um, the next 5, 10, 20, 50 years for Dark Myth Publishing and, and Jaysomon. Um, but if they don't, there are other publishing opportunities that you and me as writers have. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and it's a, uh, it's a good feeling. I remember, what was it, 1990. Yeah, 1990. 91. 90, 91. Somewhere there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had gotten into writing, and the way through the writing is okay. Let me back up. Before I got became a writer, um, I wanted to be a professional wrestler. I am six foot one and about 300 yeah. pounds right now. Uh, I'm just a big dude. El mucho gusto. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and then something happened where I fell in love with reading. And then after reading, I wanted to tell my version of a story and I started writing. Yeah. So because I was a comic book fan, I, I wrote different stories and I actually submitted one to Marvel Comics. Um, Bob Harris, if you're happening to be listening, hi. Um he, yeah, yeah. Was the, he was the editor-in-chief of Marvel Comics back then. And he was like, oh, yeah, this is a good story. We can do this. We can run it you know, somewhere. And then uh, we were going through the yeah, process. Cool. And he's like, oh, you're 13. <laughs> uh -huh. I'm like, yeah, I'm 13. He's like, uh, yeah, no, come back in five years, son. Yeah, Unfortunately, yeah. when I came back in five years, he wasn't editor-in-chief no more. <laughs> no, no. That's Ugh. It's the the close but no cigar. Yeah, and at thirteen, it's probably good you didn't have the cigar. No, no, no. Thirteen's way too young for cigar. Yeah, it was more like seventeen. But no, this yeah, it's so close, so close. The opportunity was there. It was. It was. Um, and that and that kind of validated me as a writer. Oh, and for sure. For, from that moment, like that, you you. You've almost popped on that pedestal, has come back and said, yes, we can see that potential. You have that amazing ability. That only encourages you to do more. Well, then I took that story and I sat on it for about a year or two. And I went to my aunt and I said, I'm going to make my own comic books. Yeah. And she goes, why not? Yeah. I'm yeah. like, well, okay. 
She goes, so what are you going to name your comic book company? Mm, Dark Myth. And that's yeah. how Dark Myth was created. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah. I, uh, I, uh, it was uh... 15. Yeah, I was like 15. Um, I wrote the story. I did the drawing. My brother Randy did the inking. Um, my aunt actually did the editing. And we went and we made uh, color copies. And so we would put... Okay. We put four pages on the front, flip it over, four pages yep. on the back, and then we would fold it all up and we cut it out and yep. staple it. And then we went from door to door selling these comic books. And um, that's kind of cool. Then whatever we didn't sell, we took to the local comic book shop in Hesperia where I lived and yep. uh, they sold. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Definitely. And then look at you now. I know. <laughs> What's that? 10, 10, 12? No, 15. How many years later? Yeah, nearly nearly 20. Uh, I'll be over 20. I started writing 33 years ago. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, 33 years ago. And you're not looking like you're stopping anytime soon, Dave. And Dark Myth, the initial start of Dark Myth, 30 year, you know, when it became Dark Myth was in 1995. Yep. So it's uh, it's been going for 28 years, Dark Myth has. Yeah. Yep. We're, we're almost at 30th anniversary. Which is weird because I don't, I'm only 25. I don't, I don't know how that happened. Yeah, yeah, no, neither do I. Yeah. <laughs> today, today. <clears throat> yeah, no, I should have warned cool. you. I, I literally have a story for every story. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that's cool. That's very cool. It's uh, You've had a, a very colorful past, uh, and you've got a, uh, a very exciting future. Um. As a writer, like my mentor, I don't know if I've mentioned him before. And it's not a it's not a podcast unless I, I mention my my mentor. Um, yes. He, how do I say this? He um, he always said, and I never really understood until I got older. He was he his name was Terry Deshier. Uh He passed away back yep. in uh, 2016, yeah. and yep. he's like writers experience emotions more than anybody else and uh, you know listening to him i'm in my 20s i'm like okay you're right you know okay and then yeah. here i am almost 50 and i'm like holy crap he he really had a point yeah because yeah. absolutely the man makes sense he he actually yeah he um because as a writer, what is our job? It's to convey the emotion. It's not only to tell the story, but it's to convey emotion, to make the right the reader laugh or cry or be afraid for the character. So we have to understand Absolutely. otherwise it's just words on a page. Yeah. We have to understand that emotion above the typical person, uh, the non creatives. As you call them, or well, no, you call them creatives. Yeah. I'm calling them non-creatives, um, and that made total 
because we have to experience it to a level where we can translate it into words to pass it on to the reader. I don't know why I got off you, on that rant, you, but <laughs> you, you need to. The, the, we we need to engage with the perfect stranger without having the opportunity to actually sit in the room and tell them the why. Yes. If you can't if you can't create that emotional connection, they yeah they're literally just words on a page. Yeah. My my late wife. Um... <laughs> she never read anything I wrote. I'm like, come on, read something. She's like, I'm your wife. I'm biased. Yeah, my, I, I I won't give you good insight. I'm like, my my wife's the same. She's gone. I do not read short stories. So if you if all you write are short stories, don't expect me to read anything. Yeah, good times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. No, so uh, eventually, I, I promised myself, eventually I will write a novel that my wife and her sister and her um, late mum, my mum, uh, would have wanted to read. That's, uh, that's something that I want to achieve before um, I, I fall off the perch. Uh, at the moment, fantasy is definitely the genre that I, uh, I'm really enjoying writing and writing for children too. That's something that I didn't think that I would do, uh, but it's something that Steph, with her support and encouragement and the, the wonderful way that Dark Myth has gone, hey, we like that. We want to publish that. That, that gives a writer an amazing feeling. Uh, but to, to sort of to write something, submit something for um, the world of myth, magazine and for the chief editor to turn around and go you know what we don't have a category for that yet but we're going to make one for you and then from that i think was was really cool like to have that children's category or genre pop up hmm. in world of, world of myth but then to have other authors other writers from around the world then their story suddenly appearing in there too. It it sort of didn't feel like oh it's been made just for me. Uh, it was more a let's open the floodgates for these other opportunities. Steph has an amazing eye for those type of things. Um, she does. She is incredible. She, you two together uh, are a dynamite dynamite combination. I I totally agree. Um, she uh she keeps me grounded. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um yeah. but she came to me. I remember she's like uh when I when I first hired her as editor in chief, she's like, No, I'm not gonna ask for nothing, I'm not going to, you know, make any changes and then then I hire her and then not too long later she goes, Well, you know, Dave, I uh I have a request. <laughs> I'm like, okay, yeah. I was waiting for it. What do what you got? Is it? And she's like, um, yeah. well, initially it was uh, Drabble. Her first request was to put in Drabble. That was her idea. And um, okay, that's cool. Then uh, she I've came had in. Many Drabble accepted. I I so <laughs> I I like Drabble because it's just like takes me half a second to write it out and I'm done. And I feel yeah, accomplished. Exactly. And you uh, like um the um what the unicorn. The, the missing Story unicorn? Uh -huh. you, yeah. 
that was all drabbles, wasn't it? Uh, no, they were fantasies. They were like 1300 word fantasies that oh, were, were for about a year. Yeah. Um, was it because I know there's one that you were submitting regularly in the Drabble? Oh, um, Wolf Like section. Eyes through Wolf Like Eyes. Uh, yes, sorry. Yes, there's, now you, you've, you've published so many that let's see, it just so happens. Hold on. Uh, I know that the this is one I prepared earlier. This isn't, uh, you know, very copacetic for an audio podcast, but um, through the eyes of madness, I see. I might have to turn off the. Yes, I, I, I'm seeing it, and I'm impressed. Um, this was this. Let's see. Let me just figure out how to do this here. There we go. Okay. Um. So through the eyes of madness. And, that um, is one very thick book, Dave. <laughs> it took me a long time. Yeah. Um, yes. So at the end of the book, there is through Wolf Like Eyes, and what Wolf Like Eyes was was if you go and read them, and they they were all in the um, Drabble in Flash. Yes. Let's see. Um, it's in the back of the book, but it tell it introduces you to all the characters in this book. So yeah, Tidwell's yes. in this it book. Sort of... Grayson, the 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 it's... Pitos Huntsman, all the all the characters, and these flashes are in this book, and that's why I did it is yeah. to yeah. um to introduce them. Very clever. Let's see. Very clever. There we go. Let me put that back here. I have uh, your books right next to mine. Oh, excellent. I'm on it. <sighs> yes. Yep. No, that's uh, that's my children's book, The Neighbor. Uh, and I have been working on The Teacher as the uh, the follow-up. Oh, my girls like your book, by the way. Yes, no, I'm I'm honored. I'm I'm glad my my girls like the book too. Yeah, they actually have their own copy somewhere. <laughs> oh, excellent! If I if I ever get over there, if we ever get to meet face to face, I'll definitely make sure that I sign copies for them. Very cool. Yeah, they'd like that. Yeah, I uh, I'm actually thrilled. I've um, I've told my uh, my work colleagues about it. And uh, a few of them have bought copies. I've uh, I've got to catch up with them and actually make sure that I sign those books for them as well. Because I think as an author, as a writer, it's important to thank the people that are supporting you. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, in fact, that is one of my things is if you have a book, and one of my books, and it's not signed, bring it to me and I'll sign it. Yeah. Yep, for sure. No, I think that's uh, that's incredibly important, uh, and it helps you to create that relationship between writer and reader as well. Yeah, it, it, absolutely. There's we we cannot flourish as writers without the readers, and so Correct. we have to make that connection. We have to make that relationship. 
And there's nothing more thrilling than actually meeting somebody face to face that goes, I've read your book and I really enjoyed it. Or I read your book and you need Jesus. That's that's happened to me. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Uh, my um, I uh, I self-published a fantasy book, which I'm writing the sequel for um, through Panther's Tale, mm -hmm. as you're uh, you're probably well aware. I am. Uh, yes. My cousin has actually just started as a high school teacher. It's been his dream job. He's been um electrician he's been like all sorts of different roles but what he's always wanted to do is teach and teach at like that high school level uh-huh and one of the things he did was he took my opening from my self-published fantasy novel and he used that in his year 10 class year 10 english class uh, and the the reluctant readers that the 15 16 year old boys they loved it. They loved the the, the villain um, that I thrust into the spotlight in sort of that opening sequence. Um, the the girls sort of related to uh, the the writing style and the the adventure and the potential for for what was going to come next and that sort of thing. So he said, all in, all in all, it it really worked well with that age group and. That that's a, a thrill for me, in that my cousin wanted to use that. He actually helped me through um through editing and through, uh, the actual progression of making that book, a book, which was cool. I'm um, I mean I've got a uh, another friend as well, um, a nurse friend of my wife's who's a friend of mine as well. Uh, she was amazing at helping me with the the editorial stuff and. Uh, and that sort of thing, and actually getting what was in my head that the reader couldn't know onto the page. Like I, I would tell the story with all the background information that that I had sitting there. Uh -huh. None of that background information originally was going in, and she was sort of going, uh, this doesn't really make sense to us. It makes sense to you, but it doesn't make sense to us. You need to give us that uh, that lead-in or that, that extra bit of information, and that sort of helped it to evolve into more of a story that it is and help me to evolve as a, a writer being able to connect emotionally with re with the reader uh, and also yeah to be able to give all that information for a story to make sense I think um, but yeah it's just a, a real thrill to sort of get that feedback but my cousin's gone uh, by the way but that word's wrong you you've uh, there's a grammatical error there, or uh, or that that sort of thing. And yeah, you you're right. The, to know that people have invested that much time and that much interest in something that you've written, it's a real thrill for them even to come up and go, mm, "I would have done that differently," or "Why did you kill off that character?" Or yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's fun being a writer. It is. It's absolutely fun. Um, I think I, I told you the, about my grandmother, I told you about that comment, right? I, I know it was probably on chat. I think, um, my, my great grandmother, yes. um, she told me when I told her that I was, I was a writer, she told me that writers were God's favorite people. And I said, well, why is that? Yes. And she goes, because writers are the only people that understand what God goes through as they create and kill and, you know, 
only yeah. God could understand that. And I, that, that my, my head, you know, my head just went boom. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love being oh, a writer. It's, uh, I it's absolutely a, love a being a writer. Major, major responsibility. <laughs> Especially when you you get to a point where you know you have to kill somebody off, but you've kind of worked a relationship with them in your head. Yes. Like the story tells oh, you you got to go. <laughs> you can't do it. You can't do it. But you have to do it for the the sake of the story. And that's that's the the thrill that I get the most is being the first. I'm a pantser when I write, so being the first person to discover where the story goes and where the characters are taking it because it's not us like it's not not me that's writing the story that's telling the story it's the characters are telling it to me right i'm just trying to keep up yes i uh i was doing a beat sheet for uh a tv series and i was on the the final episode and i'm typing up what happens you know in the beat sheet and i'm like bawling I am legitimately bawling because, you know, I, I, I feel I'm feeling the, the pain of the character like so intently. Yeah. I mean, and it's nothing real. Yeah. It's not really happening, but that emotion's real. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And it's real to us, my friend. It is real to us. And if we do our jobs right, it's real to the people that are reading the story. It's real to the people that are, are watching that on the screen. Should you should you make it like that's incredible that you're you're working in the the Hollywood sphere. We I, I think is amazing bringing those stories to the screen. I, um, I have to again thank Russo, my friend. Um, he's the one who kind of opened me to script writing. He he's the one that yep. I never even thought it was possible to be honest with you. And, um, he did, he made his own movies and he yep. would sell them and, and make a little bit of money. And, and that's how he started his, his journey. And, um, he's like, Hey, let's watch, let's write a movie together. And I'm like, yeah. Why? Well, and he's like, yeah, you know, it's about these kids and they're graduating high school and it was supposed to be called class of 2001. And, um, I I absolutely loved it. And then yep. um through the years I got to meet, you know, different celebrities and agents and and got involved in that community and uh I I was a producer on, you know, different movies and I was a um a, a script writer or not a script writer but a spec writer for uh like uh Zombie Island. Um, yep. and then, uh, I got into doing my own thing and met more people. So to make a very long story short, um, a friend of mine was on, uh, on Netflix here in the States. They, they have a documentary about American gladiators, which I, I watched as a kid religiously. And he was yep. on that project. He was on the original project. And I, all I did was this, I messaged him. I'm like, Hey, I didn't know that. And, uh, He's like, yeah. uh, yeah, where you know, scary script, <laughs> a scary movie script, yeah. and uh, so yeah, here yeah. we are. I'm like, okay, I, I wasn't expecting that, but uh, you know, here we are, we're writing a, a scary movie script that takes place in Hawaii, 
Um, and hopefully the WGA strike thing can, you know, be finished by the time we finish this draft and we can sell it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Hopefully that, that resolves with the, the perfect timing for your project. And then, uh, I have plans for a TV show. Um, it's actually about podcasters. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, that's that sounds pretty cool. Yeah. That's the but, only thing in my life that I one. really <laughs> haven't done is um, I haven't done a TV show, my own TV show. I, I want to do one. Yeah. I want to be the director. And um, we'll see what happens. I mean, yeah. Why not? Yeah. That's all you can do. Throw caution to the wind and what, what do you say? Just watch me. <laughs> Hold my beer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hold my beer. That's right. I'm from America. Well, Hold my beer. On that note, Dave, I think we've we've got we've got creative projects that uh, that we've got to try and dedicate some time to. We we might sign it off here. It's been an absolute joy, Mr. CEO. Oh, thank you for having me. I I absolutely absolute enjoyed joy, this. Pleasure. We uh we should do it again sometime. Oh yeah, yeah. Let me know. I I like I said, I have a story for every story that Definitely. has a story. <laughs> That's it. That's it. There's plenty more stories to come. <laughs> <laughs>